we got, we have sound. All right. Oh, you know, God works in mysterious ways. You know, how diabolical, John, to have a Michigan person speaking, okay, on this week. It's almost ironic, okay? And you know what else is ironic, too, is that, that I'm, I'm speaking on a subject that I've been, quite honestly, an abject failure at, and that's influence. Because I've been here, okay, in Ohio for, I've calculated, 34 years, and I've been trying to influence, uh, I don't know, my environment. And that's what I'm going to be talking about. But as of yet, I don't have one convert, okay, to my cause. I mean, this has been very rough soil. So, well, let me put this way. I don't want to have this out. It could strike fear in the hearts of people this week. So let's, let's not pass that around. Thanks, Steve. So anyway, here we are. Um, and, you know, John has been talking and sharing some messages. And, and I've, been, I've been listening to them, and, and I'm hearing this new vision, uh, this new... Um, I don't know, John, it's a new mission and purpose for the church coming out in some of your messages. There's been this, this confluence, and I know what the Lord put on my heart to talk about, which is um, our call as believers to be influencers. Now, first and foremost, our identity is, is as children of God. God loves us. You know what? He just loves us, not because of what we do, but because he loves us. That's his nature. But at the same time, our papa is so generous, and he says, hey, get this, kids. Uh, I have a business here, and I'd like you to co-labor with me and be involved in my business and grow through being involved in my business. And John, you talked about this in your semi-controversial message called The Politics of Jesus. Does everybody remember, remember that one? That's where John said that, I am going to step on your toes and make them gnarly, I believe was his quote. <laughs> well, hey, John, could you put that little poster um, up here on the stage? I, I'm going to use that at a certain point. Um, so... Uh, so anyway, in this, in this message, John talked about something that, that was new to me. It was the term ecclesia. Now, I've heard the term for the church being, you know, ecclesia, but John went real deep into it, and he talked about the ecclesia being um, a group of people in the city who were um, invested in the well-being of the city, and they would come together to make decisions. They would come together to uh, cast vision, uh, do various things, but the point was they would leave where they are and they would come into this place of authority, and they would use their authority. So what, a, what an interesting way to view you guys as God's ecclesia, his church, those who are called out, okay, but then you go back, and then you influence people. So you are the ecclesia. You are the difference makers. You are the world changers. You are the people that carry around inside you the Holy Spirit, God's power, his authority, his hope, his love, his joy, and you're called to bring those things into various places. Back to the irony, though. Last week, we were talking about, okay, what, I mean, what a cool group of people doing that, you know? But last week, we talked about, um, you know, how does the outside world view us as the church? And there were certain words that popped out, just some real pleasant words like judgmental, irrelevant, religious, non-accepting. So... <sighs> How can that be? How can this group of people who are perceived by, let's say, the media, society, culture, okay, as being that, be the influencers for good and hope? Now, I'm going to take you into um, a private meeting that happened uh, last fall, 2015, when um, Donald Trump, and I said, Donald Trump, don't be offended, okay? (laughs) I'm an equal opportunity offender, like Donald Trump, 
So Donald Trump's in this, in this meeting, okay, at Trump Towers, and he invited like tons of black pastors from the inner city to just hear, you know, what's going on, what needs to change. He invited a lot of clergy from all over America. And this is something you're probably not going to read in your normal media, but everybody shared what needed to happen, their concerns and various things. And uh, Donald Trump listened. And at a certain point, he got up to speak. And as you know, he doesn't hold a lot back. So he said this. He said, said to this group of pastors, I really think that America has turned against Christianity in the last decade in a way that's not healthy. And I think you guys, these pastors, have gotten very soft in terms of taking your ground and holding it. Does that, is it just me? Does that sound somewhat accurate? That maybe the church, maybe leaders, maybe even us, we've gotten soft in being the salt, being the light, being the people that bring joy, peace, power, life, healing, deliverance in our environments. So there's this, there's this tension between how we're perceived and what we're called to do, but that's okay because the good news is, is that God does not work in ordinary means. You know, he works through one individual at a time, through various secret agents that are planted throughout society, unknown to everybody, but at a moment's notice, if they're alert and if they're hearing God, they're moving in the Spirit's power. And that's who you guys are. So in addition to your identity as the beloved children of God, I want to talk a little bit about how God wants you to to operate in this. But here's the thing. You, You hear the call, but there's a practicality to it as well. And the practical thing is, well, what do you do? How do you do it? What does it look like? Who's done it before? And I thought I would just share a few stories. It's going to be story time today, which is kind of, kind of good. I'll share a few stories about that. And I was um, seeking out a model. This is my bonus that I wasn't... This is bonus material you're getting right now. You're only going to get the good stuff, and then we're going to go. But I was looking for a, a film clip or something that illustrated how God works. And what was brought to mind was a little movie made in the 1980s. It was a comedy. It was called Caddyshack. Has anybody seen the movie Caddyshack? Okay, all the guys are like, oh, yeah. I mean, who hasn't said Noonan on the golf course? Or so there's this comedy movie. And of all the unlikely characters who's modeling, okay, how we influence an atmosphere or society, okay, it's Rodney Dangerfield's obnoxious character, Al Servick, who is this real estate guy coming into the country club, annoying everybody, and he walks in, and this is what he does. He walks into the country club, and it's kind of a boring dance country club. He goes, hey, what is this, the dance of the living dead? So he observes this. He makes that statement. Uh, He says to his friends, come on, we've got to bust this place up, okay? Then the next thing he does is he goes over to the band, and he says, hey, play something good. And he starts, like, firing money off at the band, and the next thing you know, they're playing Earth, Wind, and Fire, Boogie Wonderland. Everybody is dancing and jamming. Absolutely changed the atmosphere. Okay, so what the heck does that have to do with God? Because let's face it, Al Cervic, you know, probably wasn't in church the next day after that party. But, um, but I'm going to prove this to you because here's what he did. He came into an environment... Because a lot of times you can't change environments because you don't have the spiritual technology. Well, this is it right here. He sees the environment. He says, something's wrong. How many of you have ever gone to a family gathering? Okay, you've been in a business meeting. You've been somewhere where the atmosphere was just dark. It wasn't right. And you're sitting there, this just isn't right. What do you do? Well, here's what Al Cervic did. 
He said, this is the, what is this, the dance of the living dead? He declared it. Then he decided, we've got to change this. And in his mind, he said, well, how can I change it? What, do I, what resources do I have? He said, well, I'm Al Cervic. I'm rich. Okay, and the band and the music can change it. So he had his strategy, goes to the band, makes it rain, and the next thing you know, the atmosphere's changed. So does that really work? Well, yeah, of course it works, and I'll show you. One of my favorite stories, um, I've told it before, but I'll tell it again, so, is this fellow, he was a believer, and he was in an airport. And I don't know about you, but when I go to an airport, I'm usually a little nervous, like, I'm going to miss my flight, I'm going to miss my flight, because I've missed flights before, and it's not good. And you're standing in line, and there's always somebody who's taking a little bit more time, and you're like, oh, man, this is going to be tight. So there's this situation. It's about seven people in line. This guy, this, this, uh, this believer's there, and at the back of the line is a woman who is very upset. She's angry. She's just creating turmoil. So in addition to the natural angst that's there, there's this woman who's creating even more and more angst, and the whole line is just starting to panic. You know, fear is just you know, flying through there. So this guy does, of course, what Al Cervic would do. He assesses the situation. He says, hmm, this isn't right. Okay, this shouldn't be like this. This should be more peaceful. So he sees the anxiety. He says, how do I do that? Okay, here's the word. This is, this is the tip that I'm going to give you, is that if you want to affect an atmosphere spiritually, you need to come in the opposite spirit. Even as Al came from, it was a boring spirit, he made it a lively spirit, Okay. Now, so what this fellow does is he says, okay, we need peace here. John, you were talking about peace. We were all entering into peace a little while ago. So how does he bring peace? He's not El Cervic. He doesn't have tons of money. But the capital he does have is he happens to be moving into the first position in line. So you know what he does? He turns around to the whole group, looks at the woman, and says, excuse me, ma'am, but I would like to switch places with you in line. The woman comes to the front. He goes to the back. There's no fear. There's no anxiety. The atmosphere is changed because of what he did. He understands the biblical principle. Okay, we pick up our cross, we lay down our rights, and we change atmospheres. That's just one example. So that's a bonus. Right there, you've already got the bonus here for today. So in addition to talking about Caddyshack, I thought it might be appropriate uh, to bring in Scripture. Okay? And um, as a novel idea, uh, I think Jesus is the place to start. So you're out there saying, okay, Jay, you know, how am I going to change atmospheres? How am I going to be this, you know, answer the call to influence people? Well, Jesus gives you sort of an overall model, okay? And he does it in the Great Commission Scripture in uh, Acts 1.8. I'm going to read this to you. That's what Jesus says. He says, but you, and he's talking to the disciples, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and the outermost parts of the earth. So what Jesus is saying, if you're wondering, where do I influence? Understand that he's giving you a model there. There's a Jerusalem. There's a Judea. There's the second layer. And what these are, these aren't necessarily geographic, but they're more, I'm going to say they're heart graphic. Who are the people that are closest to you around your heart? Okay, those are the people that you're called to influence, phase one. 
What's the next layer? Okay, so you probably hear you have your family, your uh, very, very close friends, the people who you're, you're living life with. Then you have here this area of Judea. Now, if you're ambitious, you go beyond Jerusalem. You go to Judea, where you have your colleagues, your work colleagues, various people that uh, you're coming into contact because they're on your curling team. Uh, you shoot pool with them. You belong to a beer club with them. Okay, these people right here, and they have issues. Okay, so what Jesus is saying is that you look for the issues. Who's getting a divorce? Who's had a, a death in their family? Who's lost a job? These are the people that God's calling to you. So there's this model of Jerusalem, Judea, then Samaria, which might be something like our international food pantry, very dangerous place to go and do ministry. But you know, should you be ambitious and want to answer the call to influence, we've got people from every different religion all over the world. But these are like the next tier. But see, so God, Jesus, gives us this starting place. Now, back to scripture. I thought, well, who in the Bible was one of the most prolific um, influencers? And I came, uh, I mean, to me, there's no question who it was. It was Nehemiah. And Nehemiah has inspired me personally. So I'm going I'm to read um, just a little bit from the book of Nehemiah. And I'm going to give you some more technology and some tools to, to influence. So here's what it is. Now, the, the, the backstory on this is that Nehemiah is part of a Jewish remnant that was um, taken into captivity. Jerusalem was destroyed. People were taken into slavery. Nehemiah was in Babylon. Persia Persia conquered Babylon. And now he's a servant. He's a a butler. He's a wine bearer to the king. So that's where the story picks up. And his brothers and some friends have just been to Jerusalem to see what's going on. So this is in um, Nehemiah 1. And it says, Hanani, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men, and I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile, and also about Jerusalem. They said to me, those who survived the exile are back in the province and are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down, and its gates have been burned with fire. And Nehemiah says this, when I heard these things, I sat down and I wept. For some days... For some days I mourned, and I fasted, and I prayed before the God of heaven. I'm going to stop the story, because this is a key point. You want to know how you become an influencer. You want to know how you become a game changer. It starts with that. You hear something, you see something, God puts you in a place, and you say, this is not right, and it grips you. He was gripped with compassion for his brothers and his sisters. And it starts there. That's how ministries start. That's how amazing things happen, is that you allow God to grip you like that, and then, and then what's next? Is compassion enough? Because let's face it, sometimes we see things and we cry, and oh, that's too bad, that's sad, but I'm, I'm bowling tonight, I gotta go. You know, we just, we don't respond. But here's the cool thing, watch what Nehemiah does, because this is, this is a key spiritual action that you can take when you sense that God is gripping your heart. So he, what he does is he prays. It's kind of a long prayer, so I'm not going to share that with you. But his prayer had three things. First thing is he knew that they were scattered, okay, because they had sinned. So he prayed a prayer of repentance for himself, for Israel, for his ancestors, uh, for his cousin Irving who owns the delicatessen, for his dreidel team. He prayed everybody, okay, everybody, we ask your forgiveness, we're wrong, Lord, please forgive us. And then he did something, and for all of you who pray and are intercessors, okay, 
This is a powerful tool, and I hope you're using it. But if you're not using it, this is going to be fresh. Watch this prayer. Watch what he does. He takes scripture, and he says, says this. This is his prayer to the Lord. Remember the instruction that you gave uh, your servant Moses, saying that if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands, then... Even if your exiled people are at the farthest horizon, I will gather them from there and bring them back to the place I have chosen as your dwelling for my name. So he reminds God, he says, God, this is what you said. You're faithful. This is your promise. You said you would do this. That was part two of his prayer. Then the third part of his prayer, which initiates this, he says, I'm the cupbearer to the king. I need a divine appointment to influence this man. Boom. That's it. Isn't it? That's powerful. God has promises. You are in situations. You have friends that are in situations. You have friends that can't pray, don't pray, won't pray. But guess what? You can intercede for Uncle Irving. You can you know, intercede for the curling team, for the dreidel team, for whoever. Okay. And there's authority on that because God wants that. And you can remind him of his promises of being faithful. So that's what happens. Now, the rest of the story. Four months later. He's doing his thing. He's the butler, okay, to the most powerful man in the world. Uh, This is what happens. Um, He goes before the the king, and the king says to him, Why does your face look so sad? Uh, You are not ill. This can be nothing but sickness of heart. Nehemiah says this, I was very much afraid. But I said to the king, May the king live forever. Why should my face not look sad when the city where my ancestors are buried lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? So the king told me, what is it that you want? It's the moment of truth, folks. Okay, is he going to have the courage enough to say what he needs to say? Well, this is what he does. Then I prayed to God, O heaven, and I believe the prayer went something like this, O God, O God, O God, O God, O God, I'm about to talk to the most powerful man on earth, please don't let me screw this up. And I answered the king, if it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city in Judah, where my ancestors are buried, so that I can rebuild it. And the rest of the story goes like this, he found favor with the king, the king said yes, and um, I'm not going to read this part, but essentially what he did was um, he said, oh, and by the way, king, could I have access to the royal timbers? Could you have a cavalry of Navy SEALs escort me through the, uh, to get to Jerusalem? And can I have some signed sealed documents to all the governors of the, those lands so that they don't uh, you know, kill this renegade Jew? So he asked for the farm, and he got it. And the rest, the rest is history. The book of Nehemiah is a great story about rebuilding walls and about spiritual warfare and all the things that he did. But you've got some keys there, some kind of some cool secrets um, about what God did with Nehemiah. But being an influencer can be really practical. I mean, there's just, I think if you're gripped by God, and I, that's why I go back to when he started feeling that compassion that, that something has to happen, he wasn't going to be stopped. He prayed and he mourned. And um, I want to talk about some people in this fellowship who I've observed who have been great influencers. And um, the first two I'm going to talk about are right over here, Dick and Cindy Bertholdt. And you guys were like, what, us? You know? But, but I remember, and this was a few years ago, you remember down at the, um, the trailer park, you know, down here, which is uh, primarily hardworking, great Hispanic folks, you know, that are down there. And we used to pass out for our food pantry these little pamphlets. 
And I could tell that, that Dick and Cindy were just, there was just something while they were there. They were just touched. Like God was doing something. So it wasn't real surprising when, um, oh, a little while later, it was in the summertime, as we're gathering our school supplies, uh, Dick goes to Maggie and I and says, hey, can we take our school supplies, some of our school supplies, and hook them up? Well, we're pretty much committed to the school that we did, and we, you know, we didn't have all the school supplies. So we're saying, oh, Dick, we're sorry, but, you know, that's a good idea, but we're just not going to be able to do that. That wasn't going to stop Dick, and that wasn't going to stop Cindy. They said, well, wait a minute. What if, what if I had $200 or $300 worth of school supplies, and I bought the school supplies for that trailer park? Would you do it then? Meg and I said, sure, we'll do it. Dan Curry and Terry, you guys got involved. You remember that? Okay, and the next thing you know, we had a little Friday night outreach. And if that wasn't enough, you know, they're looking around saying, yeah, these kids need some pizza. So I figured he'd get some $5 Little Caesars. No, he gets some nice premium Jets pizza. Okay, pop, we had a big old party. Okay, and God influenced because somebody was determined to bless people and he wasn't going to be stopped by, by us Okay, the Nolans, no, no more ministry. But, but they did it, and, and that's just, that's awesome, okay? So, so I've told you about some different kinds of influences, and bless you guys. You know, I, I, love, I love that about you. You guys have compassion, but you combine your compassion with action, and that's, I mean, that is the game. So I've talked to you about people who are just very proactive and determined. I want to talk to you about two other people who are in this church. And their, um, their influence is what I would call just very organic. Okay? It's just, it just sort of flows with who they are. And um, we have two people in our church who were um, probably many years ago just gripped by how God interacts with us and how he speaks with us, you know, in the prophetic, in uh, just these unusual ways that we actually can hear the voice of God. And this became the, just their, their natural pursuit. And as, a, as an outflow of that, um, these two people started arranging little meetings, and they would be like parties. Some of you might have even been to some of these things where there'd be food, there'd be laughing, and then at a certain point, everybody would kind of come together, and they would have uh, just worked out some... I don't know whether you call them exercises, but engagements with God. And I'm talking about Stephen Nola Coker right here. Okay, you guys should give, give a little yeah, shout-out. So, uh, and like right now, in a very unassuming, natural way, as they do what they love to do, which is hear God's stories, see how God works and how God moves, out of a natural, organic flow, they said, let's have a little get-together, let's invite people to our house, and let's just watch God move, and maybe we can show you a few things that will help you. And how many people have been either blessed or, or been to one of these things, and, uh, you know, just, it's been good. Just raise your hand. Who's been? Okay. Okay, so, so here they are, okay, out of the overflow of what's very natural to them, okay, which is the voice of God, and boy, what's God doing in the latest God story? They just, they just flow with it, okay? So, so what I'm saying is if, if your hobby is, is cake decorating, okay? God isn't going to call you to start a motorcycle group, okay? Okay, he's really happy with you in, in, in cake decorating because he's got some people who will do the motorcycle group, okay? So sometimes being an influencer is not this, this, oh, I'm before the leader of the free world. It's not that. It's just, this is what I like to do, and I'm going to invite some people over, and I'm just going to trust that God's going to move. Isn't that kind of cool? Now, here's the other thing. Not everybody... <laughs> 
not everybody, okay, wants to do this, okay? So I would say, um, I would call Nehemiah God's prolific influencer. I would call Dick and Cindy, you were the determined influencers. Uh, Stephen Nola, you guys were the organic influencers. I'm going to talk about a reluctant influencer in the Bible. And this is good. This, this is good too. And um, she also, like Nehemiah, uh, was in the area of the Persian Empire. And the backstory is this, is that this woman, because she was gorgeous, beautiful, okay, became the queen, okay, of basically the king of Persia. And she was in a place, and her cousin finds out that one of the evil henchmen, okay, from this administration had made a decree that all the Jews were going to be annihilated. And this decree went out to all the kingdom. When her cousin found out about this, he just, you know, was fasting, he was tearing his clothes, it was terrible, and he sent word to his cousin, who happened to be the queen, and her name was Esther, okay? So Esther is there, and she gets this word, this is going on, and you got to do something about it. So Esther is not really excited about this possibility, and here's why. This is what, this is what Esther sends back to Mordecai. The message is this, all the king's officials and the people of the royal provinces know that for any man or woman who approaches the king in the inner court without being summoned, the king has but one law, that they be put to death unless the king extends the gold scepter to them and spares their lives. But it's been 30 days that I, since I've been summoned to see the king. So she's on the out. She doesn't know what her relationship is you know, with the king. So her message is really pretty pragmatic. It's like, <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. I am not <laughs> going to put myself out, especially where our relationship is, and try to advocate for all of you guys. Okay, me too, but I'm kind of a secret Jew, so maybe I'm going to get by. Well, Mordecai, who, again, the passion and fire of God for his people is on him, and like Dick and like other people, he's not going to take no for an answer. So this is the message that he, he sends back to Esther. And this is good because you guys have heard, I mean, this, this particular scripture, we use this or should be using it all the time. So he says this. Um, uh, he sent back the answer. Do not think that because you are in the king's house that you alone of all the Jews will escape. For if you remain silent at this time, Relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. But you and your, your father's family will perish. And who knows, but perhaps you've come to this royal position for such a time as this. You've heard that? Perhaps, you know, you're working social work in Delaware, Ohio for such a time as this. You know, perhaps, okay, you're retired for such a time as this because you're going to be um, doing things is that that you are living here in November of 2016, okay, in central Ohio, around the people that you're around, and perhaps there's a reason for it. Perhaps you've been planted here to influence the people who are on your heart. Does, is that possible? Okay, so this is what he says to Esther. So Esther's like, Oh, great. And this is part of the process, too. This is honestly being reluctant. I remember I said to Maggie at one time when Maggie was starting Mercy Project uh, and was going down to the, the, the women's shelter and this, I told her, I, I was like, you kind of remember this. I said, this is not my ministry. I am not called to minister to the poor or to the, uh, the women down here. This just isn't it. I mean, I'll help you, but, but you just need to understand this isn't mine. 
So 12 years and 600 events later, I realized that I was a little wrong, okay? So it's okay. It's okay. I guess what I'm saying is that, is that when you sense a calling from God to do something, I'm just saying you get a pass. It's okay to wrestle a little bit and say, man, on Tuesday night, I'm doing this. It's wing night. I'm not going to sacrifice that. You know, it's okay to just wrestle with what you've got to wrestle with. God is okay with that. But, but watch what, what Esther does. Is that she, she does her wrestling, and this is the message that she sends back. <laughs> then Esther sent this reply to Mordecai. Go gather together all the Jews who are in Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my attendants will fast with you. When this is done, I will go to the king, even though it is against the law. Even if I perish, so I perish. So Mordecai went away, and he carried the instructions. And it's funny, because, you know, Esther did kind of what Nehemiah did, was she kind of did business in her own heart, did business with God, and then she prayed. She gave it back to God. She, did, she planted a spiritual seed, okay, by, through fasting, having other people pray. Just like Nehemiah planted a spiritual seed, which I guess... You'd probably plant the seed up this way, right, toward heaven? Yeah. So that's what, he, that's what they did. And the rest is history. You know, God gave her an amazing strategy. Uh, the Jews were saved. Haman, the evil advisor, was, was hung. And the Jews celebrate that to this day. So for my final, my final example of stories, and by the way, this means we're going to be ending kind of early. This is a quick message, John. Um, I want to talk about another type of influencer, and I'm going to call it God's responsive influencer, and let me see, is J.C. Noland, my daughter, in the audience? J.C., would you mind coming up and sharing? J.C. Noland, everybody. And, and John, I, I, there's a microphone right there by where John was. Hello. So, Hi, I'm J.C. So, so JC, um, this was a, a, a couple weeks ago or so. Um, you're getting in your car, it's whatever, 8 in the morning, getting ready for a long day of work. So why don't you pick up? What, what happened? Yeah, um, I was just getting ready to go to work, getting in my car, and kind of in the corner of my eye I saw um, a kid walking across the street, and I thought I'd recognized him. So I just said, Cody, is that you? Um, you know, I'm, I'm 24 now. We would have went to school together when we were um, eight, 8 to about 13. Um, and so I just walked over and we embraced each other and I quickly noticed he wasn't the Cody that I had remembered at all. Um, he was always kind of the class clown in class, but he, you know, was blatantly different. Um, he had a upside down cross on his forehead. He had rape spelled out on his knuckles, Satan on his, um, on his neck. And he had hospital bands around his wrists. I could tell he, he just recently was hospitalized and, um, has been his whole life. I knew he had struggled with mental illness even when we were young, but it had manifested outwardly um, in tattoos and just wear and tear on his body. Um, and he told me that he just got out of the hospital. He was living in a, a backyard. And um, yeah, it just wasn't a good situation. So I, I was kind of running late for work, but I just, you know, it was like I just had compassion for the little kid I used to know. I hadn't seen him in so many years, but so I just kind of met him where he was at and asked, walked, took him to get some breakfast and a pack of cigarettes and some water. And um, my heart actually wanted to invite him into my house and let him shower and, you know, clean him up. But I, I kind of felt not to do that almost. Um, I just engaged with him in conversation. I shared my testimony with him. 
how I used to wrestle with similar things that um, he has been involved in. And um, in the midst of talking to him, he was somewhat receptive, but he kind of started to manifest and be a little bizarre. And at one point, he reached out to my forehead and drew an upside-down cross on my forehead and, and just, you know, hugged me a little too long. It just kind of creeped me out. So I kind of walked away from this experience kind of, you know, feeling like, yes, I responded and was obedient. But, I, I mean, I called my dad after. Two hours later, I tried to shake it off. I'm at work, and I'm still just like felt so gross and I you know was crying called my dad just like that did not go well I mean I really feel defeated from whatever that was so that's kind of yeah so yeah so she stay up here for a second um so so she called me and you know shared this and here's the thing is that sometimes when you when you go into ministry that that you can there's backlash you know from doing ministry especially if you're moving in areas where um you know just things are very intense there could be uh, even the demonic involved or whatever and then that this this happened to her but i said listen you got to understand that you are ministering from the spirit again we carry the holy spirit with us and we're not just saying hey i hope things are, are well with you gotta go no there is in that exchange of her testimony and her love, there is a spiritual dynamic that is happening. And part of him is getting it, but there's a part of him that just isn't quite there, that wasn't getting it, that was doing these unusual things that were that just sort of slimed JC. So I said, listen, you did your part. That's all that matters. And, and, that's, and that's really, at the end of the day, you know, some water, uh, you know, some plant seeds, it's God that gives the increase. And I said, trust me, you know, this did not come back void. So I thought it was just, a, it was just interesting and it's encouraging. But that's not the, the whole story, right, Jace? Oh, yeah. So, like, a couple of weeks later, I'd given him my contact information. Um, just, you know, hit me up if you ever want to talk or, you know, I'm here. Um, and he hit me up on Facebook and just basically said, just thanked me and um, asked if I would take him to church with me. Um, and so I was just like, wait, really? <laughs> like, I totally got a different vibe from how the encounter ended. So um, that was just a really cool surprise that he number one felt thankful and then number two actually wanted to pursue a relationship with God after that so kind of cool <laughs> okay amen amen okay so so let's let's land this plane okay and move on to Thanksgiving um, so so here we are okay we've, we've been talking about influencing let's face it you know as John was saying you know we're in a country divided okay there's you know heroin is ravaging you know places there's people who I mean church attendance is down people aren't seeing the church in the right way so I guess what I'm saying is that 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 we are in a very target rich environment right now John you shared last week that 50% of Americans and even more males okay are have an epidemic of loneliness they have not even one person to share their lives with their, their victories, their successes, their defeats, their worries. There are lonely people that are looking to be invited in. You know, and, and we're, we're trying to create this culture okay, here at the church where people are invited in, where we reach out, we invite in, be it here, be it into our homes, be it, as John was saying, let's you know, invite somebody to dinner, do something. So, so we're in this place where it's, it's just, all I can say is that the world needs you, okay? And that he doesn't work sometimes through the big media or politics or other things. He works through secret agents. Just as in the Roman Empire, okay, this band of poor Christians, they prayed for the sick. They took care of orphans. They cared for the people that they didn't care. Uh, they, they cast out demons. They dealt with the addictions of the day. 
okay? And they change and transform the world. That's who you are. That's who you're supposed to be. You are not, you are not, what was the, I'm trying to think of the word you, you said last week or the description. We are not consumers of spiritual services. We are not spectators because it's game time. It's go time. It's do something, even if it's wrong time, okay? To start moving and accepting your identity. So what do you do? You are an influencer. You are a world changer, a game changer. It's your calling. It's part of who you are. And what's the first thing you do? You got to put on that identity. You got to put on that identity. I mean, for me, okay, that identity would look something like this, okay? Because this is, this is when, I'm, when I'm going game, when I'm going game, I'm wearing something like this, okay? But it's game time. It's, it's the week of the game right now. So you guys got to get into the game, is what I'm saying, okay? When you have that identity, it will help you be alert. It'll help you be um, just be who you are as the, as the world changer. Again, just with a little love here, a little invitation here, that's what, that's what you're supposed to do. And that's, that's really as simple as it is. And, and answer, your, answer this question for me too. Jesus gave you the model. Who are the people that are, are your Jerusalem? Who is it that you want to influence? Do you realize that um, the Israelite priests... They wore an outfit called the ephod, this long garment, and right around their heart there were 12 stones. And the 12 stones stood for the 12 tribes of Israel, who they were called to intercede for, who they were called to influence, who they were called to touch and to just care for. Y'all, y'all are priests. We're a kingdom of priests, right? We're, We're a kingdom of priests. You have 12 stones around you. So I'm asking you right now, who are those 12 stones? Who are the people that God wants you to influence us? Get in the game. It's go time, game time. Do something even if it's wrong time. It is. So let's do that. And finally, who's your Judea? Who's at that next level? Because you're spending 40, 50 hours a week in environments at work, okay? And it's so easy not to care because we're just trying to get through the day. But there are people who God's put a little light over, okay? People going through divorces, people having problems at work, people who are getting... Maybe going to get fired. Maybe they need a Nehemiah to stand up and say, boss, this ain't right, okay? She's getting, the, she's getting the wrong end of the deal. You are the voice of righteousness. You are the voice of justice. You are the voice, okay, in those environments. You've been placed there. Who knows? Perhaps you've been placed there for such a time as this, right? 